and welcome to episode 53 of the 1099 for the week of August 1st, 2016. I'm your host, as always, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is uh, head of video production and soon-to-be professional wrestler at uh, Video Gamer, <laughs> Simon Miller. Simon, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, that was. I'm not even a professional wrestling fan. I think I'm one of those people who suddenly on like a Sunday or something or a Saturday, my entire Twitter feed becomes professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah, uh, I have it. And I stay away from it because I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I know like I'm an MMA guy and I know if people start complaining about that, I get really angry. So, uh, but that was cool to see. Like out of nowhere, you're like, hey, by the way, I'm going to train to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> I mean, I know this is a video game podcast, but what has that process been like so far? Oh, man, I'm in a lot of pain. I mean, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only, I'm only two weeks in as we record this, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, last week especially was just, I mean, everyone in the video gamer office thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in their life. I kind of just sat there with my head in my hands going, good grief, I'm in so much pain. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, I kind of I kind of like to see myself as a guy that if opportunity comes along, you just jump on it. And the opportunity came along, so I thought, screw it, jump on it. What's the worst that can happen? I fall on my ass, I get beaten up, and then I move on. So yeah. that's kind of uh, that's kind of the process so far. And yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where, I get it, I understand the stigma about professional wrestling. Because you know, quote unquote, it's fake. So, but it's, it, it's always fascinating when you uh, when you go to learn these things and, and quickly realize that it's you know. And for me, it's one of the toughest things I've ever done. And like I say, that Wednesday, the Wednesday I woke up because my first session was on a Tuesday night. It was anything anything but fake. I mean, I was I was I can't even tell you how much I hurt. I was a broken man. I really was a broken man. <laughs> well, you've never been really afraid to put yourself out there. If you look at any of your E3 coverage, you're pushing stuff over at you know in the expo hall. You're you know, pretending to be a certain character and going right into people's faces where I love to watch it, but there's also this cringe factor with me where it's like, oh, how do you do that? Uh, and I first started actually reading Video Gamer when uh, I, I wrote a feature for you guys way back when. I did the Just Cause 2 multiplayer mod feature uh, on Video Gamer. I was yeah. working with Steve Burns for that. And then from there, I really started to get into the video side, Video Gamer TV, which as we were talking about earlier, it's it's a whole other beast. You, you guys have done a lot of interesting stuff with that. So since you've joined the team and kind of taken this leading role, how has the site evolved and where do you kind of see yourself in the current quote-unquote games media landscape? It's difficult. It's difficult to answer. I mean, with the video stuff, because when, when I first got there, you know, we had a big chat about what we wanted to do and, and more importantly, what we didn't want to do because games media, especially when it comes to YouTube, which has become this huge thing when in terms of video games, you know, games media kind of got left behind yeah. by you, YouTubers. I mean, they did. You know, that that sprung up almost overnight with people like PewDiePie and Markiplier and all those kind of dudes. So we kind of sat down, and it, it wasn't like a conscious effort to say let's try and tap in, tap into that market. But it was more of a conversation: Do we actually just want to be, you know, the games media people on YouTube? And we still do a lot of that stuff, like reviews and, and gameplay and all that kind of stuff, because the opportunity presents itself. So you know, why wouldn't we do it? More content is. It is more content, but it was like, what do we want to do? Like, and do we really just want to do what everybody else is doing? It's like, no, absolutely not. And it's funny you brought up the professional wrestling stuff because that's kind of how it all started. It was like, well, what if we come up with, you know, an episodic <laughs> YouTube show <laughs> about the world of games media that has twists and turns and storylines and occasionally actual professional wrestling that we'll do in the office, like with 10 year old children. And it was kind of one of those things that we started doing it because we thought it would be funny. We enjoyed it. And then it turned out a lot of other people enjoyed it too. So from there, it was like, okay, well, we built this foundation now. And more importantly, you know, we're genuinely enjoying doing this stuff. I mean, we're, we're giant children. I don't think any 
<laughs> anybody on the team would, would argue that. But we're all fine with it. And you mentioned the whole, you know, the, the, the cringe factor, which I totally agree with. And it's just one of those things. A lot of people ask me about this. How the hell do you do this stuff? And it's kind of like, well, if some, if I come up with the idea or somebody else comes up with the idea and I think it's going to be funny, it's like, well, let's just let's just do it. Because as long as it's funny and it's good content, then that seems to be worth the, you know, whatever risk, I guess, for lack of a better term, it may entail. So I don't know where we sit now, though. I don't know. Video gaming TV is almost like a bit of a, a thing onto itself almost because we're not really games media we're not really youtube so we're in this kind of uh i guess it's a nice middle ground yeah you know, it's nice it's nice to be different but yeah i couldn't i couldn't tell you where the hell i think we are <laughs> i mean yeah it, it, it's absolutely different that's what kind of drew my attention to it and i'm guessing that's what a lot uh, drew a lot of other people's attention to it there has to be some kind of trepidation or nervousness though back when you first started doing the miller report and stuff like that because of course you said it's fun and it's good content but how do you know if this stuff will stick so i, I kind of the business of games coverage is always interesting to me. So to an extent, can you kind of explain the the hierarchy of how Video Gamer is run? And kind of what I mean by that is, in a certain sense, you remind me of Giant Bomb, where you have some full-time people, personalities, uh, and you use Patreon, similar to how they use their subscriber model, where that's a lot of what fuels the craziness. That's a lot of what fuels the stuff that maybe IGN or GameSpot wouldn't go for. <laughs> you are a part of, and correct me if I'm wrong, that candy banana network of websites and operated by an actual parent company. So what's kind of the machinations behind some of this? Well, I mean, the patron thing, I think you just hit the nail on the head. We did that because we were like, while it did build up like a really a solid audience, you know, the, the problem with YouTube is if you start comparing YouTube numbers to the big, you know, the big gun, just like, well, we're nothing. You know? yeah. <laughs> we're absolutely nothing because, you know, people, I will get, I don't know, five million views per video or whatever he does. So, you know, the patron thing was a way to support that because it was like, well, we can't do this exclusively. Um, we, you know, we're trying to do it, but it's going to take it's going to take time to build. So we thought, you know, what can we do to to lessen the risk? I mean, you mentioned the business side of it, and that's exactly what the conversation was. What can we do to lessen the risk of taking these bizarre, <laughs> bizarre approach to video, <laughs> but making sure that we, you know, we don't overreach too much. And, and, and then, you know, when you get back to the more serious side, go, OK, this was a really bad idea. Because we, we've completely gone off the end. And it was like the patron thing was exactly that. It was like, well, we could build a, a subscription model into videogamer.com. But and we may do that in the future. I mean, who knows? It depends. It depends what we want to do. But it was like, especially when we launched it, Patreon was uh, you know, it was a brand name that everybody was familiar with and everybody recognized. So we thought, well, no one's going to be put off by that because people know it's a legit service that, you know, real pil- re- real people are using. So it's not going to be like, oh, this is a giant con. They're trying to take our money. Yeah. It's like, no. Here is a crowdsourcing model that if you'd like to support us, you can. And if you don't want to support us, there's absolutely no problem. And we were all prepared for it to not be a success in any sense. Yeah, I mean, what were your expectations going in? Because you just never know. Because you you see the people on Twitter or YouTube comments or something and realize, like, people like this. But in the same way that when people are like, I want Shenmue 3, it's like, yeah, but do you really, until it's actually (laughs) out there, like, are you really going to spend money or do you just like to complain on the internet like babies? Like, so what was kind of the expectation going into that? That's the the point. Like, when you've got free service and all of a sudden you say, do you want to put your hand in your pocket? That changes that changes the dynamic entirely. So our, our thing was literally like, let's throw it out there. And even if it completely dies on its ass, that's fine. Because, you know, so you've got your big ideas. You can go to Patreon, which is top of the list, and you can cross it out. And you can go, that is an idea that doesn't work for us. And, we, you know, I think the best thing about video game is we're very transparent with everything we do. So I think we would have just said, look, it didn't work. You guys don't want to do that. That's fine. It's a shame because, you know, it would have been a nice plus. But if not, absolutely no problem. Luckily for us, 
there are a lot of nice people out there and we have a very, very dedicated and engaged audience who are like, no, 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 we, you know, if you're going to keep doing more of this stuff, we will support you, you know, support you as much, as much as we can. And, uh, you know, now it's got to the point where, you know, we know, we know who that audience is. We know what that audience wants. And that's helped because, you know, using that kind of surface, you can ask them, like, you know, what, what kind of stuff do you want to see? And we'll make sure when we can, we'll cater to you as a, as a thank you for, for supporting us. And, you know, we, I see it as a huge success, our patron. Like I say, it's not the most successful patron out there, but it's, you know, in my, in my eyes, it's very, very solid. And the, uh, the audience and the, uh, the, the people we, we kind of got on there just, they make everything, I guess in a way it sounds a bit cheesy, but they do make everything so much more worthwhile because they're constantly there supporting your content and telling you how much they like it, which, you know, and even though you always got to do something for stuff for yourself, because if you try and do, you know, stuff that other people are doing, people will see right through that. It's still nice to have that reinforcement, especially when people are willing to, like I say, put their hand in their pocket. I mean, that's a, that's a humbling thing. I'm yeah. willing to give you money to do this stupid stuff. It's like, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, and it, it is obvious you have an audience because again, we we're talking before the podcast. When I had Steve Burns on here, that was my most popular podcast like ever at that point. Uh, almost immediately, people were flocking to it. And uh, like you said, you don't want to cater that to your audience exactly. You don't want like, hey, what do you guys want to see? You want to surprise them. You want to have these yeah. ideas that come up that you know you're the people who invented these characters. They should trust you to make new ones. But at what at what point did you actually start feeling comfortable? You know, being Simon Miller from the Miller Report being Krantz being the, you know the Millbob thing like when did you actually realize like this is funny I need to lean fully into this because there has to be when you are on you know behind in front of a green screen singing a, a rock or like a metal song about Batman in a review form there has to be a thing where it's like oh is this going to be the worst shit ever or is this going to be great I have no idea I think I I'm not at that point even <laughs> today I, I I still think a lot of the stuff that w- will come up with that we find funny I always have a little stomach was like, this could be, this could be terrible. In fact, a lot of the time when I'm editing some of the videos, I will say out loud to him, oh, this is the worst thing we've ever done. This is the worst thing we've ever done. Because <laughs> uh, you do kind of lose, you know, lo- lose the barometer. So, but it's one of those things where you kind of know when you're filming it and when you're editing it, if it's going to be funny or not. And it really does come back to the most simplest things. If I laugh at it, that make, that gives me all the confidence in the world. Because I'm like, well, if I've laughed at it, surely somebody laughed at it. And, you know, there's certainly been times that we've put videos out there that I know aren't as good as they could have been. But we kind of feel like, well, we've got to put something out there. And that's not the, that's not the greatest thing in the world. You should probably you should probably can those. But there also is, you know, there's a sense of I mean, we don't do it so much anymore. But there was a time we were trying to do, you know, a weekly Miller report and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons we stopped it, because we were like some of the stuff we're putting out isn't to the quality that we would like. But we feel like we've bought into a. Uh, weekly models we don't want to let anybody down and that was kind of a a back and forth where it was like this is not it's just going to make it's just going to dilute the content if we just keep putting stuff out but no i i mean uh i'm never i'm never oh no some videos i am some if i know the idea is really really good like when um, you're allowed to go to a a wrestlemania interview a load of wrestlers as miller i was like well that's (laughs) going to be good because wrestlers will get it like that's what wrestling is uh, so that one I, I was always confident with. But other ones, there have been ones we put out there where you're a bit trepidatious. But more often than not, again, the audience is so engaged and, and so behind you, they'll support it regardless. So you can't, you kind of get away with it. But yeah, but I, I think it's good to remain, not worried, that's a bad term, but 
good to approach it from a from a, a skeptical angle because I think that keeps you on your toes and motivated and making sure you don't make any mistakes. Yeah, I agree. And uh, even if I kind of know your YouTube channel for these characters or these certain series, there's still a lot of the you know the the lists, the 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 live streams, the reviews on there. A lot of the reviews that people would normally put on the website, which you do put on the website, you also have as these kind of discussions, almost a podcast form discussion as a review. What have you found to be the most watched style of content on your YouTube channel to actually be? And is there ever, I think to a certain extent you look at, uh, I guess I'll use Polygon for an example. At the time when they were starting, they were doing these big sweeping expose features that would take months. And you have to support those with the the top 10 lists, the opinions, the news stories, there's a certain kind of give and take with that. Do you ever kind of feel like, okay, we have to do these certain videos that are well done, well produced, but are meant to grab traffic in order to support our crazier ideas? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I'd say the reviews are, that's, you know, if you have a big game comes out and you write review at the end of it on YouTube, you're guaranteed to do probably above your average that you'd expect to for that week. You know, just because that's what people want to want to what's what they want. You know, that's, the word review has a lot of power. But that's kind of why like you mentioned how the reviews we do are mostly two people just sat in a room as if you were you know, down a pub or whatever talking about a game. Mm. And that is that was a conscious thing that we introduced when we because we never knew before before I um, joined the video side of things. Video game, we didn't really do reviews because there's a stigma about it like you know oh that's uh, tacky content or whatever and i was like well i guess it is to a certain point but at the same time it's what the audience wants hence why it will do good traffic so it seems silly not to not to do them but you know let's not do them you know like everybody else does them which more often than not and it works for those people i'm not saying it doesn't it certainly does but you know one person going through the game point by point and breaking it down and i was like well that's not how i talk to people about video games yeah and that's not how anybody in this room talks to people about video games. So let's just throw two people in a room to have a 10-minute discussion about the game. And we still get it now, but especially when we first started it, you know, the, a lot of the reaction was, this isn't a review. This, <laughs> you know, this is just two people talking, which our response was always, well, how do, if you play a game, do you go up to your mate and go, let me tell you about the sound? The sound is, of course you don't do that. <laughs> you, you just talk about your experience with it and whether you liked it or not. And that's, that, that's kind of the... The way we, because everyone's, a lot, the big question we always get is, you know, how do you see yourselves? You know, are you games journalists? Absolutely not. We're just people that happened to, you know, the business we deal in is games. It doesn't, you know, in terms of playing it, it doesn't make us any more or less important than the dude down the street playing it. We just have a platform to talk about them. And if that's how we're going to talk about them with them, why would we do anything different when we're doing it on YouTube? And obviously, you know, the strange thing was after about six months, we started seeing a, a kind of a turn with people going oh actually no i love this style this style's really good and that's how i talk to my mate so I, I kind of think while you know that is your bread and butter content and stuff i do think it it won people over i mean not not like in a wow this is revolutionary or anything <laughs> kind of like that but you know now people a lot of people say they enjoy we still get the odd one but a lot of people say they enjoy that you know laid back kind of this was my experience with the video game as opposed to you know it goes on for 12 hours and the graphics are really good i mean that stuff will come up if it had an impact on you as you're playing the game but more often than not it just doesn't like it's just it's not a relevant thing to somebody that wants to spend 50 pounds on the game yeah i think to a certain extent uh kind of the regular gaming you know media consumption audience has been almost 
they have this preconceived notion of what a review is. It is the old school GameSpot IGN, like you said, where it's like, here's my opinion in the first paragraph, and then next is the story, because it has to be the story, and here comes the gameplay. And oh, even if the music didn't grab me, I have to talk about the music because it's a checklist. It's almost a college or university yeah. essay style yeah. of thing. And I remember when I was freelancing at GameSpot for about two years, uh, I was working under uh, Kevin Van Ord, and we kind of had this group of people together that, not purposely challenged it. We didn't go out like, all right, reviews suck. We need to challenge this and make it better because I'm, you know, I'm not all high and mighty with that. But I care about games criticism, and we were handling it more as like, here's like, write about what matters to you, what grabs you, take your time with it, and make sure like you're not trying to be different for the sake of being different, but you're not reviewing a, you know, a camera. You're not reviewing a TV. You're reviewing if you want to get into games or art. You're reviewing something like that. Something that how this impact you what grabbed you if the graphics were just eh and didn't really mean anything to you don't write about them because you have a limited space in a you know in, in a review even if you don't have a word count so i think a lot of what you do too even if it's you know the conversational thing you're pushing against what people think of reviews as and that's why you get that response initially of oh this isn't a real review and where's the score at the end yeah i think you're 100 percent correct because people again the word review comes with certain connotations as does a list you expect to click it and get a certain a certain content. So our way, and I'm not saying we always get it right, but our way is always, you know, make sure we take the things that are going to do good traffic because we're a business and we've got to make money and views make money. But make sure we video gamer it. Make sure we make it our own unique thing. So while we're playing into what works, we're not just copying what other people do. And I think that will always be our, our mantra from yeah. here to the end of the time. Is there anything that on your YouTube channel that you've held back on? Because so let's say you have this kind of crazy idea, even beyond the Miller Report or something like that, but you think maybe this doesn't, this won't get the the traffic that it should get. Is there something that you're kind of like, I really want to do this, but I don't think it'll be like you said, you're a business, you need to make money. No, we never had the idea. We'll do it regardless. Even if we never look at something like we won't do it because it won't do traffic, but we have looked at stuff. And con, we won't do it because this could potentially offend people. <laughs> um, but no, we, we've never not put anything up because we thought it wouldn't do traffic. Because, like I say, if we if we like it and we enjoy it and we think there's something in it, then it doesn't matter if it, if we put it out there and it has you know a few thousand few thousand views or whatever. Like we'll, we'll be proud of it. I think the only time we ever we ever regulate content is when yeah it could somebody else watches it and goes, man, I don't think you should put this might out. Not, yeah, it might not be a good idea in that way. Is uh, you mentioned video video gamer ing. That might be the right way to conjugate that things where you're just like, hey, you know, this is a list, but it's different. It's how video gamer does it. This is um, maybe a a feature, but it's different in this way. I, I've always enjoyed that about, especially when you're doing like top seven or top six or top lists where. Um, let's use a Steve Burns one for example. It seems like by the end he's had this kind of interesting unique point that's coming that's like stemmed from from six to five to four where suddenly it's like oh i'm thinking about something differently even if it is a comical list there's certain aspects of that that you don't see in other videos and you also guys are good at i don't know if video essay is the right word but you'll take a hot button issue again like you know the value of no man's sky and just talking to a camera instead of writing a feature on it do you think something like that is not done enough in other games media do you think there's a lot of things that we spend hours and hours writing that we can actually just kind of directly talk to the audience in a more conversational way like you guys do yeah I, that's why we started doing it like it was you know we usually have a feature or some sorts to back it up but 
you know, if you get into work one day and you see a, a, an argument on Twitter or somebody sparks some kind of debate and, you know, you're, you're sat there spouting your own opinion, it's like, why don't I just go do this in front of a camera? Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't, yeah, that's what people do with words. So why not do it, you know, audibly as well? So, yeah, I mean, that was the, the No Man's Sky's prize thing is because I got into, I remember it because I got into work and everyone was like laughing about how people are getting annoyed that No Man's Sky costs the same <laughs> as a normal game. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was just like, this is, this is ludicrous. It was like, right, let's just write something and go and, you know, and go and deliver it. I think a lot of that stuff, and I don't know how true this is. This is mostly what other people say to me. And I don't think this is necessarily true, but it could be because I don't know how they're structured. But I think video gamer can get away with a lot because we are very small. And while we're no longer an independent company, we're still treated like an independent company. Like Candy Banana, who sits above us, you know, bought into video gamer because they appreciated what we were doing. And they don't want they don't want to change that. So, you know, if I if I want to go in front of a camera and say I think these people out there getting mad that No Man's Sky is sixty bucks are idiots, that's fine. Like that's that's what they that's what they bought into. Whereas I guess you could say, and I don't know because I don't work there, but if Gamespot did that, there'd be some <laughs> be some uh, <laughs> uh, backlash, I would guess, because it's not what you expect from a Gamespot. Whereas we're almost I say we're the rogues of games media, but I think a lot of people do see it like that. Like we'll take we'll take shots, maybe. I mean, I don't mean mean shots, but we'll take shots where other people won't take shots. But it seems like you can kind of do stuff more independently in a way where I think Gamespot. I'm not saying they're beholden to CBS, but they can't move as quickly through that. There's more levels of leadership where it's like if one person closer to the you know lower end of the totem pole wants to do something, has to go through a lot. Where you guys can kind of just be like. This thing I saw on Twitter is annoying, and it's the general sentiment. So we're going to talk about how often does something like a video like that come from you seeing just this mob of people on Twitter who have this opinion, and you're like, I need to talk about this. Because instead of sending out a whole bunch of 140-character tweets, I'm actually going to collect my thoughts and discuss it. A lot. <laughs> There's a lot. And the best thing is, no one, unless it was really offensive, like I say, no one will ever say no. And that is the best thing about working from video game. And no one will ever, if you say, I'm going to go do this idea... If you go and do it and you execute it poorly, or like I say, that it crosses a the line, then sure, it won't it won't go live. But you know, it, the idea, as long as it sounds like a, a good idea, there's no one ever says no. And I, that is such a liberating thing to have when you're in a creative environment because it means you can just go mad and yeah. go wild. And that's the other nice thing about the Patreon. You know, this isn't a plug, but people that are signed up to the Patreon do have access to some of the videos which we'll never put live publicly. <laughs> But they can see when sometimes we do cross the line. And that's a nice thing as well, because, you know, the effort you put into something can still be uh, can still be enjoyed by 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 the public. And you just make sure you caveat it before anybody watches it with this could offend, this could offend, <laughs> this could yeah. offend, this could offend. But that, yeah, having that. Um, and I think it's the, the speed of it all as well. Like when the whole CSGO Lotto nonsense was going on the other week you know i literally just said out loud i need to make a video about this <laughs> and we just did it and then there was no like we got to check with this person or that person it was just we'll go make it and we'll watch it we'll make sure it doesn't problems and then that's that and it didn't and we put it up and you know it was a relative success so you know i can't i can't fault that that is that's, that's a wonderful freedom to have yeah that has to be freeing uh and again your your site is so especially the youtube aspect of it it's so personality based it's so you know people like individual writers or individual members of your team, how important is that chemistry to you? Because I was talking to Alex Navarro uh, just yesterday about Giant Bomb and you know how difficult it is that even if like if Austin Walker leaves or someone else leaves, it changes everything because that's such a tight knit group. And that's let's say if Brad Shoemaker leaves, suddenly the Giant Bomb cast is completely different and it kind of sends reverberations throughout the entire company. How important is it to have 
the exact right people in your group so that things can run as smoothly as they do. Yeah, I think it's very important, I th- especially with what we're doing at the moment, because, you know, over the last couple of years, or whatever it is, we've all built up a rapport and we all know what the aim is. You know, we all, and we all kind of know how to bounce off each other and what works and what doesn't for individual people. But that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, is everyone going to be at video game for the rest of their professional careers? Probably not. If we're being honest, you know, somebody will leave at some point. But they're just kind of the things you have to deal with. But you are 100% correct. Like if any of them were to leave, that would change the dynamic. Anyone who comes in, you know, that's hard as well because you don't want to ape what somebody else has done. But at the same time, you need to find your own unique perspective to fit into something that's quite cohesive. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, that is something when you are doing more specific and unique content, which is coming from the minds of a, of a select few people, that does, that's, that's a risk that you take because if an offer comes along and someone decides to leave, then you know, an important part is taken away. Can you, can you recreate that? Or do you have to go off in a different direction to make sure whoever does come in can shine as well? It's difficult. It's certainly difficult. But you know, I think we always, especially the YouTube, the video stuff, we always kind of see it as a kind of different sections you had original video game and it was video game a 2.0 and now <laughs> now it's like video game a 3.0 so i'm sure there'll be a 4.0 and uh and i think the best thing about the good thing about that is is that it will evolve if that does happen and somebody will come in with new ideas and it may take a different direction and i think uh you know making sure you're always a step ahead and looking to, to make the change at the right time is important because even the best stuff in the world is going to get old eventually so in a way it could be it could be a silver lining yeah, and I think seeing those personalities on YouTube actually makes me, and I'm guessing other people, want to read that person's work more. Again, looking at, uh, like, let's uh, say Steve Burns, you look at, like, what he's like on video and on, like, a video essay. You're like, oh, I want to see how that translates to a review or a written feature. But how difficult can it be to balance the video aspect of video, ga- video gamer with the actual site? Because I'm guessing there's some people who only know you from YouTube and are like, there's a videogamer.com? Like, there's actually a website (laughs) with words on it that I have to go to and read? I mean, are you making a concerted effort to try to be like, hey, you know, YouTube people, we have a website, or hey, website people, we have a YouTube? Yes, and you're going to see a lot more of that in the next couple of months because uh, we are having a relaunch of sorts of the website. I don't know when yet, but at some point within the next couple of months, which is going to be a brand new site and a brand new approach. And, you know, one of the big things with that is to to tie in the video stuff a lot more with the website to the point where we may even start putting videos up on videogamer.com first and then, you know, an hour later put them on YouTube or whatever just to try and, you know, show people there is more. You know, if you are just into the video stuff or there's articles that kind of, you know, are just as ridiculous and, and funny as, as the YouTube stuff as well. And it's definitely a problem we've, we've had because, you know, you can have annotations and stuff in the in, in the thumbnail or in the description saying, hey, we've got a site, we've got a site, but no one reads that stuff. Yeah. I mean, some people do, but, you know, they're, they're there for the title of the video. And once they're in the video, they're there for the content. And it's so easy just to ignore everything else around it. Hence why, you know, the whole uh, scandal, I guess, the scandal's not the right word, but all the stuff with, you know, paid for content. Oh, it's below the fold and all this because no one reads <laughs> below the fold. So there has been an issue that we've, we've tried to fix. Uh, we've kind of taken our, our foot off the pedal with it a bit because we knew this site was coming. And we were like, well, let's wait for the new site and then really go to town on it. Because at the moment, anything we do is, you know, it, it would be helpful, I'm sure. But it makes much more sense to wait until you know everything's ready to go and then really say, right, OK, let's do it. So, yeah, I'm hoping kind of towards the end of the year, there'll be a better, I guess, cohesion between the website and the video stuff. So people can enjoy the stupid videos and enjoy the stupid articles and <laughs> You know, hopefully just enjoy Video Gamer as, as one piece as opposed to broken up into two. 
when you launch that site, is there going to be any sort of renewed effort for freelance work? Because I think one of the most difficult things about a site like yours is introducing freelancers because people come for the full-time personalities. They come for the the members that make up Video Gamer, not some random dude with an opinion about Pokemon Go that they've never seen before. <laughs> like I, 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 Again, I was really great to work with Steve Burns about like that Just Cause 2 article. But again, I do understand it's... If you're going to bring a freelancer on, they almost have to be like a uh, consistent voice, like someone who writes a column, someone who's consistently there, and that's something that's difficult to do. Is there kind of a plan to have more freelancers work with Video Gamer, or is that something you haven't really tackled yet? I haven't tackled it yet. It's, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. That's something that's kind of a corner we backed ourselves into by accident, where <laughs> it's like... You know, we, we, the reason we wanted to push the personalities was it because, well, you know, what does nobody else have? Us. You know, nobody else has us. You know, the one thing unique, you know, USP we have is the people that work for us. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. They, they do not have us. So we should we should go with that. But like you say, the the other side of that is and it's a good thing is that people, you know, they want to see those personalities. And while there's still a lot of work to do in that area, it does mean if all of a sudden you introduce someone new, everyone's like, you know, the Internet's like, who the hell is this person? <laughs> and they get. But I mean, hopefully, and this is just me, you know, talk, thinking out loud as opposed to any specific plans. But if we could, much like we do with the site itself, take on a, a handful of people and, you know, kind of rotate those guys in and out so people get used to them. And make sure that they, I think the key is always to make sure they have their own style. And it's a style that not only fits in with Video Gamer, but that people enjoy. And that way, if they if they know they're going to get whoever once a week, once a fortnight on a specific day, then it doesn't come out of left field. And like everything else, you build it into into somebody's psyche almost. Right? I know that on this day, I'm getting this person who's going to deliver me this and I enjoy it. Much like a review. Like if Steve Burns does a review and you don't like Steve Burns' approach to games and you shouldn't be reading those reviews. On the flip side... You should do if you like, you know, you like his stuff. That's that's the way all content should be taken in, in my opinion, which yeah. is why it's always ridiculous when you get oh, this is a terrible review. No, no. It's just a review that doesn't add up to your thoughts. And that's fine. But go find another review. That's why you should never just read one review. You should take them all in. So if we can do that the same with freelancers where people build up a style and they build up their own following, we just happen to put it out through Video Gamer. then I think that would be excellent. Yeah, and I very much enjoy the new world of more personality-based stuff because before I always felt like when I was uh, reading, you know, games writing before I was involved with it, it was always, well, this is GameSpot's review, this is IGN's review, this is Game Informer's review, and now I look at it much more as this is, you know, when he was still around, this is Kevin Van Ord's review or this yeah. is uh, Vince Enginito's review instead of because you know it's individual people and of course it has the IGN brand on it and of course it has to go through certain editors to be able to get on the site, but. It's an individual person with individual opinions working at a larger site. And you find those people almost the same way that you uh, follow certain people on Twitter because maybe you like what they say or you dislike what they say and you have fun arguing with them if you're a crazy person. Uh, You can kind of do that with how you read reviews. You find the people who you agree with. And for me, I also enjoy finding the people I disagree with but are good at articulating their points and being able to intelligently say this is why i don't like this thing that you like and here's the reason not just to be an asshole and be like uncharted 4 sucks because i hate jumping like, <laughs> all right well that's not a good argument your review's dumb i don't want to talk to you but if you can say you know actually make a good point then i'm invested and i think that's how people don't use reviews but i really like to use reviews yeah i'm, I'm exactly the same i think it should be the starting off point for a debate you know that is exactly what a review should be it shouldn't be the be all and end all it should be right 
here's where the debate begins. Do I agree with you? Do I disagree with you? What do you mean by that? What does this mean? You know, even how did you come to that score? But unfortunately, the internet's a reactionary thing, and they, they see the score and they see they see certain words, and it becomes it becomes the worst thing ever. Um, but it's a shame, and because it, it's kind of intelligent debate about, especially something like Uncharted Four, which, especially once the hype, a lot of people did come out and kind of went, oh, it's good, but it's not as good as maybe I first thought. Was there, there was an interesting debate there, but it just got flooded by. Well, we use the term fanboys for lack of a better one, but by fanboys just being like, oh, no, you don't understand. And, you know, we're going to kill you <laughs> and, all that, yeah. and all this crazy stuff. And it's a shame because there is a discussion to be had there and there's no right or wrong discussion. And I think that's what a review should do. It should spark debate. But, you know, we're unless something drastically happens, I think we're too far down the rabbit hole at this stage. And if you don't agree with the review, you're going to go on social media, which has become this obviously huge, huge deal and just moan about it which is ridiculous because it makes absolutely no difference in the grand scheme of things. That's the thing that we really try and hammer home as well. This means nothing. It means nothing. If you enjoy it, it means nothing. And if you don't enjoy it, it means nothing. It's just one man's opinion. Like we don't even agree. Like I've said this all the time, the South Park stick of truth review on videogamer.com, which at the time I was editor in chief to to my opinion is incorrect. (laughs) But we published it because that's what the person who did it for us adamantly said they wanted to give it. So I was like, well, who am I to change your score? You've argued it in the text. It makes sense. It doesn't feel like you've just whacked a random number on it and the end. So, you know, we'll go for it. Like, I think people take it too personally. And that's the issue. Like, I don't I don't worry that someone's like, oh, Simon doesn't like South Park, the Sick of Truth, because the site was it's madness. And I think a lot of people associate, you know, they, yeah, they associate themselves with something they're involved with. It doesn't make any sense. It's just, you know, look at it for what it is. It's one man or one woman talking about how they found this video. game. That's it. That's all it needs to be. It's that personal attachment that is not unique to games, but might be strongest in this field where people identify with a series. They identify, again, I was talking to Alex Navarro about this. They identify as a gamer compared to like a lot of people don't do that with other things. It's almost like a sports team where you take a side and anyone who says something different than what you believe or what you think is this personal offense to them where if you know someone again is an uncharted fan you say i think that series sucks suddenly you're almost saying i think you suck and i think your opinions <laughs> suck and that's how they take it and it's almost like this affront to who they are and it's there's a maturity that you have to reach i would like to think because when i was younger of course i spent um a lot of money like pretty much all the money i had when i was younger to get a way too expensive ps3 because I was like, all right, I'm a Sony guy, Sony for life, let's do this, I'm all in on this kill zone, fuck the world, <laughs> like, that was my view, so when anyone said, like, ah, the PS3 sucks, the Xbox 360's better, you know, you, you feel like you're about to start, like, a playground fight with them, where you're like, no, like, my dad's stronger than your dad, like, there's that kind of thing that happens, and I think there's a certain level of maturity, hopefully, that people reach, where... Uh, if people say like, hey, you know what? I think the UFC sucks and MMA sucks. I'm a fan, but that's fine. That's your opinion. Let's talk about it. And we haven't quite reached that with gaming because so many people immediately when they see that, they are like, oh, well, this guy's an asshole and he's wrong because it goes against my sensibilities. 100%. I totally agree with you. And it's, it's very strange. And the one thing I always find really bizarre is if I say I don't like a game, I'll get responses on Twitter, especially going, well, I think Gears of War is shit. And I'm like... <laughs> All right, it's not my child. I mean, I do like the Gears of War series, but... It's kind it of your child. It's, it's pretty but, close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As close as it could be. But it's like, I don't... The fact that's even in their, in their, in their brain in the first, well, I'll, I'll insult Gears of War and that will get to him. It's like, man, 
you just you're not looking at this in the way that it, it should be looked at. You should, like I say, you should come to to me or whoever and be like, well, this is the reason why I like it, and then I'll tell you why those things didn't mean anything to me. Because that's the thing we always get is like, oh, I can't. I think it was I was on a first person. Maybe it was Doom. I can't remember. We reviewed Doom, and I loved Doom. I thought Doom was Doom's great. Cool. And all all the comment, a lot of the comments were like, well, you didn't talk about the difficulty. And I responded to one guy and I said, well, if you put it on the harder difficulty, the game is harder. <laughs> and he was like, well, you should have mentioned that. I was like, it's completely irrelevant. Like, you you don't need to, you know, you don't need that that given to you. But that became a huge thing as well. It was just like, well, this is just, this is just unbelievable. Like, I don't understand. So it all depends on, on the approach that people have to these things. And I think video game is lucky in the sense that everybody on board while we take it seriously because it's our jobs to take it seriously in the, in the great, you know, the grander scheme of things, we don't take it seriously at all because we're all very privileged and lucky to be reviewing. If you strip it right back toys, yeah. when we all see it like that, we are very lucky that somebody pays us to review a toy. And you, you know, you, if you can't do that with a sense of, you know, an irony and awareness of how lucky you are, then I think, you know, you, should, you need to, you need to get there quick. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a privilege to be able to do this kind of stuff and, and you know be able to pay the bills and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, video gamer can be refreshing because I absolutely appreciate the sites that take certain things very seriously where there's suddenly kind of this deep feature about how this game affected them or impacted them or mirror the struggle they went through in life because that's valid and that's useful for them and for other people. But then I'm also into video gamer randomly throwing someone through a table with like a luchador <laughs> mask on like that. That's valid too, and I think the we have to understand there's there's a scope to all these things. There's a spectrum, and it's okay if you're on the left side or the right side, uh, as long as you just say like, "Hey, it's okay." There's not there's not a set framework for this stuff, and it's fun to push the boundaries, not in an offensive or awful way, but in a way that makes it fun or it make it serious. You can like Gone Home on one end, or you can like Just Cause on the other. Like there's this video game coverage is similar to video games. There's a spectrum to that, uh, and in terms of coverage. Before Video Gamer, did you do any freelance work or anything like that? Were you at other sites previously? Because I don't think I, I – I don't know if I've asked you about that. Yeah, no. I mean I – my very first job in video games was writing manuals for Sony Computer Entertainment Oh, my Europe. God. That's, that's how I got into <laughs> into the video game industry. Oh, I'm sorry. And, that's, yeah. I almost – out of college, my first job was almost to write manuals for a software company, and it paid extremely well. But I'm like, do I want to hate myself and have money? I don't know if it's well, worth it. <laughs> there you go. You just hit the nail on the head. I remember it all came crashing down to me where I always get it the wrong way around. But I had written uh, – I had written press X to do this when I should have written to do this, press X. And I remember thinking, oh, this is the end for me. i got to go. Oh, <laughs> i got to leave. Oh, God. Um, but, but I, can't, I can't speak too well of it because it did give me experience of writing for video games in some sense. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw a, 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 a small company over here in England called Imagine Publishing, who were based down in Bournemouth. They had a, a string of, of video game magazines. And I took a, a staff writer on Nintendo magazine. Um, and we all know, you know, that's, uh, that's, um, that doesn't pay well, I guess we could say. It does not. In short. But great experience. And I got to work on, you know, a couple of Xbox mags and a Nintendo mag. And then from there, uh, you know, I did a few other things to kind of broaden my, my spectrum, I guess. Uh, I went and, well, and I say this, I only did it for eight months. I was a PR at THQ for a while, but I was only a PR at THQ because they rang me up and said, Simon, we have a slot to someone to PR our, the WWE games. <laughs> Would you oh, like to man, do it? And yeah. I was like, you know, PR was never something I wanted to do, but I was like, no, I want to work with WWE. So yes, please. And this is the worst thing I'll ever say. And I mean it in a very positive way, but I, mean, I know it always sounds bad. 
I literally joined in the dying days of THQ. I joined in the August before they closed the following March. Oh, wow. But that to me, like, I never want anyone to lose their jobs. And it was a terrible thing that happened there. But, you know, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. In my timeline, it was a great thing, which I know sounds terrible because obviously it was a horrible thing. But it means I got to have this great eight-month experience where I worked direct with WWE, a, a brand that I've, you know, been passionate about since I was a kid. I got to meet a lot of wrestlers. I got to have, you know, ideas that I'd had about the game, you know, actually come to life. And then when that ran its course, you know, I, I'd, I'd known the video gamer guys for a while. They were looking for somebody. I was looking for somewhere. And it was the, that was it. You know, it was, it was the perfect marriage almost. So I can't, while it's a terrible thing to say that THQ going away actually benefited me, it kind of did because, you know, it allowed me to, to, to leave that company with no problem whatsoever and go back to the thing that I'm really passionate about. And, you know, here we are today. So. There's, that was my journey. There's so many weird journeys and there's so many weird twists and turns with this industry because, you know, I went from my first ever site was a small independent like UK based site when I, I lived in Pennsylvania, you know, United States at the time and moved from like all these different sites and uh, now work for a uh, a small indie studio that's working with Sony Santa Monica on Here They Lie, which is a... Um, uh, a horror game for VR. Which just saying, two cowards. I, I'm I'm gonna help set that up eventually because this this seems like a match made in heaven. Uh, well, you know, you know it will scare me straight away. So I know that's that's that. cool. I mean, I'm yeah. This, when that game comes out, we'll talk. But yeah, Definitely there's so many right. weird stories with that because I never thought there's a lot of people who get in the industry, and I think I've said this before in this podcast where you can kind of tell it's like. Yeah, I want to you know write about games for a bit, but eventually I want to make them or do PR, or do community management for a studio. And I was never that way. I was always yeah. like, man, I just want to write about video games and review them, and I want to be a part of Game Informer or GameSpot. But here I am. There's a lot of weirdness that happens from that because everyone kind of ends up knowing everyone, and opportunities open up. And speaking of opportunities, uh, Glixel and Vice's new newest gaming venture. I mean, these are. A lot of new jobs coming in when it seemed like this industry was kind of desperate for jobs after a lot of closures. Uh, when some, when you hear about stuff like that, even Zam, because Zam kind of came into prominence recently and has a lot more people coming aboard. Do you get competitive? Are you happy to see you know a gaming culture sites coming up? Uh, are you worried this is just kind of a fad or big companies like Rolling Stone uh, reaching for a really hot market? I mean, you're kind of on this strange game media island where like you said you don't really consider yourself games journalists you're, you're separate in a certain way but uh I, I i'm encouraged by it to a certain extent i talked to john davison who's uh leading glixel and everything he said was amazing it's exactly what i wanted to hear but you just never know so i mean what's kind of your outlook on this stuff i because i again if, if you're pushing personalities it's always the personality that will that will win out so if you've got a unique personality it can't be copied because I remember a question we got asked when the Miller Report was kind of a weekly thing. Was, well, what if other other people start doing this? He was like, well, it's fine. Because we, we've done it now. So even if there's it was more successful, it's like, well, we couldn't have done anything about that. You know, we did our thing and it, and it did what it did. Um, and that's just the way the industry is going for me. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, to a certain extent, it's true to a certain extent, I don't really go looking for a, an opinion of a site now i go out looking for an opinion of an individual yeah. simply because i mean most i mean youtube has changed that a lot with vlogging and you know that's the big thing you know people just sit there and watch someone talk for 20 minutes about anything and if you like the way they deliver it and you like what they're saying you buy in and you watch one every week and then this person is able to make a career out of it now the, the real question with is how much legs does that have 
because it's all this brand new thing. I mean, we could wake up tomorrow and the rug gets pulled out underneath it. Mm. Um, you know, it survived a lot of like again the CS:GO live thing. I think you know it's, it seems to have survived that. So it shows that it's going to take more than just uh, a rocking of the boat to take it away. But it is this brand new thing that eventually you would assume would peak and then something else will come and take it away. But at the moment we don't know where that is. So to me, getting on board with it and, uh, now, especially because I think now it's more, you know, it's more popular than ever. And you see more. I mean, there's so many people out there that you've never even heard of, and you click their channel, and they got five million subscribers. Yeah, it's really. Like, there's so much of that. It makes me feel super old because suddenly, like, yeah, so, someone's exactly. like, "Have you heard of this guy?" I'm like, "Who the hell are you talking?" I barely know who <laughs> Markiplier is, and he's supposed to be like a celebrity now. I don't know. Yeah, but that's it. I mean, because when I was growing up, it was official PlayStation magazine, which sold 900,000 copies, or whatever it was a month. I'm probably exaggerating. You know, that was. You know, official PlayStation magazine was the, the top of the chain in the UK for games media. That's where all the big things was. Now you can sit in your house, record something, somehow find an audience, and you, you can become. So I think everybody buying into Now is the time to buy into it. Like, yeah. It could get bigger and bigger and surprises, or it could start going on a downward slope. But I don't fear it. I think the more people that, that, that buy into it, it just you know, it just gives us a bigger, a bigger... If everybody buys into that idea and we're already doing it, I think if you really tried to change what you were doing to match it, that would be a problem. But the fact that we're already doing it and we're confident doing it and we're comfortable doing it means that, you know, we don't really worry about anybody else's doing because hopefully that just opens people's eyes a bit more and maybe more people stumble across us. And John Davison knows what he's doing. I mean, his track record speaks for itself, so... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's got a good idea. I think more players in the industry means more shine in the industry overall. And if there's one thing I want, it's more full-time work for people because right now there's just this giant number of freelancers who I've worked with and I know, and they're they're good and they deserve full-time work, but it's not out there. So if those resources are there... I would like to think everyone benefits as long as hopefully these things actually become successes. So in terms of the rest of the year for Video Gamer, you mentioned eventually the, the new site will be there. Kind of this integration more to make Video Gamer TV and Video Gamer itself more of a singular thing. What other plans do you kind of have moving forward for Video Gamer uh, for 2016? Uh, that's the eternal question. I mean, you've always got your kind of your base metrics to get well businessy, which is, you know, continue to grow the website continue to grow the youtube channel you know better views more subscribers all that kind of you know bottom line stuff with number to look at and go we're doing all right because these things are going up yeah you know that's the best way to, to manage any success but i think on a more creative and personal level we all certainly feel like we're at a bit of a transition period where now it's time to uh not recreate ourselves and we're always going to bid and, and irreverent stuff but it's definitely got to the point now it's like we need to come up with a new way to deliver our content while not forgetting what people enjoy. And that's kind of a big conversation that's going on now. It's why kind of the last couple of months, a few people going, oh, everything seems really stale. It's not stale. It's just, you know, sometimes you've got to put content on, not autopilot, because that sounds like we're not trying, but, you know, do the stuff that, you know, will, will tick over for a while while you work on other things kind of behind the scenes for the long term, the long term girl. And that's kind of where we want to be towards the end of the year also more of a we'd like you know dream world we'd like video gamer to be more than just the youtube channel or the website we want it you know the classic thing we want it to become its own brand and you know we want the the video gamer to be you know so we, we we've slowly started to do it like we've run a few small community events but if we can start doing more of that and tying that into the other stuff that we enjoy and hopefully down the line offering some kind of uh, event or service or something that you know is more than just video games without forgetting that 
you know, that's what brought us to the table, for lack of a better term. I think that's that's what we'd like to do. I mean, I don't, I'm not, you know, that won't be apparent by the end of the year, but looking long term, that's what we'd like to do. We would just, there's too much, and there should be, um, you know, I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but there's too much seriousness in video games. And if we can somehow bring the fun and the nonsense to the masses, <laughs> then, then we are, then we are, are definitely all all up for doing that and obviously we're going to do it through our writing we're going to do it through our videos but if there's more opportunities to do it in other ways be that events or what have you then you know that is that's things we're looking into and you know just just reminding people that video games are fun and if you have fun with them you'll you'll enjoy them more the other end as well so ideally just keep growing keep getting bigger and keep adding more strings to our is the the too long didn't read version <laughs> yeah, bringing fun to it, I think, has been something you've been extremely su- successful at, and I, it's really hard to break into someone's kind of daily YouTube list or daily website list. And you have done that with me with both on both ends, and that's hard to do. So I think you guys are doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to again site relaunch and seeing where you go. If people want to follow all your social media stuff and see more from Video Gamer, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you get us on Twitter at VideoGamerCom, like the lovely, lovely Twitter handle. <laughs> Uh, Facebook, same thing, videogamer.com. Obviously, videogamer.com is the website. Videogamer TV is the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon, it's just patreon.com forward slash videogamer. Um, I would say the best place to start with any of it would be the website or the YouTube channel. And if you like it, you know, take it in, divulge, see see what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And as, as we say, you're not going to like everything we do. We're well aware of that. And I like to think that everybody is to accept that, you know, not everything's going to be going to be a tremendous success but overall i would like to think that people at least be entertained that's my that's my goal with it anyway just entertain people have fun remind ourselves that there's a lot of bad things going on in the world we're lucky enough that we just get to review i don't know god of war yeah (laughs) that new one looks great exactly so let's just let's just do that and you know keep in mind we're doing with it all that would be the goal anyway so we'll see yeah we'll see what happens great well simon thank you so much for talking with me this last hour i really appreciate it again video gamer has been just fun to to watch to read and to see grow uh and good luck with your future professional wrestling endeavors you might be the only reason i actually listen to wrestling twitter for a bit so that might be your greatest <laughs> achievement uh in your career overall it's it's a hard thing to do dude I'll take that. If I can get more people interested in professional wrestling, that can be my away from work goal. But you know, I appreciate that. We'll see what happens. Like uh, that is being documented as well on on a different channel. But if you if you follow the video game and stuff, you'll eventually see you'll eventually see all of that. But as long as I don't die, I think I think it will be a wonder a wonderful thing. And hey, look again, you'll get this if you if you come watch our stuff as well. Like a lot of this stuff we just throw ourselves into because why the hell not? And this was a similar kind of thing. Let's just see where it goes. And if we fall on our ass, we fall on our ass. Who cares? Just get back up keep on going God, way more people need that attitude yeah thank you so much again and thank you everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099